This one is Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum Bi Rahmatika Astaghith Which we do as well Again another very powerful dua And the reason this one is powerful is because Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum have been considered to be the Ismullah Al-A'zam You know among there's a hadith in Bukhari which mentions that There's a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which if you call Allah by Then your duas are accepted It doesn't mention which name it is the majority of ulama are on the opinion that it is Allah, but taken with a particular frame of mind, right? So that is the strongest opinion, because that is Ismul Jalala, that is the, the highest, that's the name of majesty. However, there's other opinions, what, uh, strong opinions as well. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum is one of them, that these two names, Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. So Ya Hayyu, O living one, Ya Qayyum means, O self-subsisting one self-subsisting not in need of anybody else and everybody else is in need of him Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyul qayyum it's from that that's why ayatul kursi is one of the most virtuous verses of the quran because it includes all of these things about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala birahmatika astaghith with your mercy through your mercy do i seek your do I seek your assistance, your refuge, your, your help? Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, Assalatu Wassalamu Ala Sayyidil Mursaleen, Wa Ala Alihi Wa Sahbihi Ajma'een, Amma Ba'd. Today, I'm just going to mention a few things about this khatam that we do in the beginning. It's called khat, uh, the Khatm of the Khajgan. Khajgan is a plural of Khaja, which is a Persian term. Much of the rest of our tradition has come through the cent Central Asia and Persia, Khurasan. And the language there that dominated, which you could say was a language in which a lot of our tradition has been carried through after Arabic is Persian. So I believe um, also, Khaja Bahauddin Naqshband was also spoke Persian because there's poetry that is attributed to him, which is in Persian as well. So, just like now, uh, uh, English has become kind of like an international language. So, you'll get people speaking in English in Spain and in Arabia and everywhere because it's kind of like this international communications language, a very important language. So Arabic has been that, and then Persian has been that as well. What's happened then is we have 40 people um, above us in the silsila up to the Prophet Because then, you know, Sufi paths, they go through silsilas, chains, isnad, right? So we have uh, 40 people above. Starting off obviously with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Then Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiyallahu an Then Salman al-Farsi radiyallahu an Then Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr The grandson of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu He takes it from Salman al-Farsi radiyallahu an Who takes it from Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiyallahu an uh, Below that is Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq Grandson of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Then it goes to Bayezid Bistami The great ascetics of the past and then after that, it's Khaja Abu Hassan Kharqani. So initially, it's in 
Medina Munawwara. Medina Munawwara. Then Salman al-Farsi was eventually in Madain, which is uh, which is in uh, Iraq today. It's an old city. And then he goes back to Medina Munawwara, Medina Munawwara, and then it's in Bistam. I believe Bistam is in either Persia or Afghanistan, one of those two areas. And then Kharkan, Jurjan. Jurjan is definitely in Persia. And then Mashhad, which is also in Persia. Mashhad is a big city in Iran today. That's where Khaja Abu Ali Al-Farmadi was from. He's the Sheikh of Imam Ghazali. So then there's Khaja Yusuf Hamadani. So now, how does this exactly go through all of this? Because if we start from the bottom, you've got Mullah Ghulam, Pir Ghulam Habib so, from Chakwal, Pakistan. And above him is Khaja uh, Abdul Malik Siddiqui, who's from Khanewal in Pakistan. Then you got Mulna Fadl Ali Qureshi from Miskinpur. And then you got Khaja Sirajuddin from Musa Zay. I believe that must be in Pakistan as well. Khaja Muhammad Uthman Damani. And then Haji Dos Muhammad Kandhari, which is Kandhar is in Afghanistan. And then you've got Khaja Shah Ahmed Saeed Dehlawi. Khaja Ahmed Saeed Dehlawi, originally from Delhi, but he was in Medina Munawwara. And then above him is Shah Abu Saeed from, you've got about four or five after that from Delhi, Shah Abu Saeed, Mola Ghulam Ali Mujaddidi, Khaja Madhar Jan, Jane Janan, and then you've got Sayyid Nur Muhammad Badayuni, and Khaja Hafid Muhammad Hassan, then you've got Khaja Saifuddin from Sarhind, which is in Punjab, in the Indian side of Punjab today. Khaja Muhammad Ma'soom, who's the son of Mujaddid al-Fithani. And Mujaddid al-Fithani is kind of, you can say, the Mujaddid uh, of the second millennium. And he is number 25 on this. His Shaykh Khaja Muhammad Baqi Billah. But Khaja um, Sheikh Ahmed Sarhindi is considered to be the greatest, one of the greatest, in terms of the kind of work that he did. So what is all of this about? Well... Was Abu Bakr Siddiq عنه, doing the muraqabah that we do? Did he have to do 100 tasbihs in the morning and 100 tasbihs in the evening, you know, the, uh, the salawat on the Prophet the istighfar, you know, one juice of Quran reading. All of this has just become more murattab, more organized as it's been passed down. We don't know if Abu Bakr Siddiq did this particular type of muraqabah. But he definitely did some muraqaba. We have 35 lessons. But there were only 17 before. From Khaja Bahauddin's time. Naqshband's time. The reason why this is called Naqshbandi. Is because it became more formalized after his time. The tariqa. Otherwise the spiritual chain goes up to Rasulullah Although the spiritual chain goes up to Rasulullah But the awrad and the kinds of adhkar that we are doing today they don't necessarily all go back up to the Prophet in that same way because the 17 lessons which are what's the reason for lessons well you have lessons in a book to take you to a particular goal so it takes you one two three four five and you're expected to reach a particular goal at the end of the last lesson that's why it's put in a very organized way you need to know this first then this then this then this then this and, and so on so now he had 17 lessons 
and he expected people to reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and gain wusul and gain accomplishment in the spiritual path at the end of 17 lessons. However, Mujid al-Fithani came along and by that time, you know, people had changed. There was obviously a general distance from Rasulullah's time, you know, general issues with piety and things of that nature. So he, re he, he was a master of the science. I mean, he accomplished all of this. So he reckoned 17 was not enough anymore. So he put them up to 35. Sorry. He put them up to 35. Right. So, as you can see, this is already developed. Somebody may come up further along and say, you know, it needs to be a bit more because people can't even do anything in 35 maybe. Or, wallahu alam, you know, it just depends. 35 is quite sufficient, you know, because out of them, I think only 27 of them, I think, are considered to be essential for you to reach. Then the rest are just uh, puts further. Um, I could be wrong in my exact count, but that's generally what it is. So that's where you get the lessons from. Now, so why do you then say Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu is in your silsila? How do you trace it up to there then? So for example, you've got Khaja Bahauddin Naqshband from after whom this uh, the, the, the whole silsila has been named. But today it's actually called the Naqshbandi Mujaddidi. And the reason why it's called Mujaddidi is because this addition of Mujaddid is because most of the Naqshbandi Tariqah today comes through um, Sheikh Ahmed Sarhindi Mujaddid Al-Fathani and because he's the one who did a Tajdidi work, a renewal work, an addition you can say, reviving, revitalizing, right? It's now got this sub-branch. Sometimes in some Tariqahs, it happens in all Tariqahs, in some Tariqahs they don't even use the original name anymore they'll just use the second name so it'll just be Mujaddidi for example here it's always Naqshbandi the Naqshbandis are very proud of Naqshbandi you know because it's just a very powerful word um, but for example in others like the Shadiris they don't no longer call themselves Qadiris except when it's officially mentioned or they're just Shadiris Shadiri is actually just a branch of Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani's Silsila it goes up to him but then it just branched out because uh, Sheikh Abul Hassan al-Shadili did some renewal work and he became so famous as now that it's a Shadili tariqah but it's actually Shadili Qadari or Qadari Shadili right? so now from Khaja Muhammad uh, Khaja Bahauddin Naqshband his Sheikh was Khaja Sayyid Amir Kalal from Bukhara his Sheikh was Khaja Muhammad Baba Samasi from Bukhara and his Sheikh was Khaja Azizan Ali, also from Bukhara, and his Sheikh was also from Bukhara. So this line of Shiyukh from Bukhara in between, he benefited from spiritually from his Sheikh. Who benefited spiritually from his Sheikh? What Athkar we are doing, you'll have to look in their biographies. It may not be all of these things. It's said actually that Khaja uh, Bahauddin Naqshband is the one who took the entire emphasis into silent dhikr which is the distinctive feature of the Naqshbandi Tariqah. He's the one who took, he, f he felt that this was the best way forward to do it just silently because it's just the most versatile way to do it. It's the most powerful way because dhikr, uh, uh, the ulama agree that the internal dhikr is more powerful than the external dhikr, though it does require more concentration. 
because at least externally you're still saying the words whereas internally if you lose concentration you're not saying anything you're just sitting there right the only thing you get reward for is dedicating your 10 minutes to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you're sitting for 10 minutes whereas outside you could still be turning at the speed and saying Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad or la ilaha illallah or whatever it is even though you may, your mind may be somewhere else above we know that from Khaja Muhammad Naqshbandi this muraqabah system definitely came from him but did were others above him doing that as well not necessarily they may have right but he actually just goes up and who he got his spiritual accomplishment from because there's many ways of being accomplished spiritually that's why different tariqas have different afkars right a different loud ones they make you say la ilaha illallah in this way or that way or whatever the case is in addition to other things that they make you do. So there's various ways of breaking the nafs and controlling it and connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the goal. There's many ways to do that. So essentially somebody discovered a way, either through ilham, through personal experience from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's tawfiq, and they decided that this will work for others as well. So then it becomes like that. They've obviously benefited from somebody because to truly benefit, you have to benefit through somebody. The, the deen is like that. And that precedence was set by Rasulullah with the Sahaba. And he gave the name the Sahaba to the Sahaba as those who were in companionship. So companionship is extremely important. So you can only get more accomplished through companionship. Right? The others, they were doing their own adhkar, whatever they were doing. But they were definitely accomplished people, we know that. But were they doing the muraqabah that we do today? Not necessarily. Right? So that's why people say, you know, when people don't understand this, they say, oh, you have Abu Bakr Siddiq or the other. Was he doing this muraqabah? You know, it's, no, it's not proven. Well, I know it's not proven, but it's not supposed to be proven because that's not what it's, we're claiming. Nobody's claiming that. So that's just to give you some idea about this. Number two, what is this khatam that we do in the beginning, the khatam khajgan? The khatam khajgan we do is essentially, these are different adhkar that have been attributed to, diff uh, to different... Um, uh, 40 mashaykh or more and these have been either selected by them particularly right? so for example the last one that we do which is Allah is the wali the friend the caretaker of the believers so why do we repeat that over and over again because if you see some of these are du'as some of these are not du'as they're verses of the Quran Wallahu waliyul mu'mineen is not a Technically a dua, oh Allah, give me something. It's not a dua of that nature. But what is a dua? A dua is essentially, the Prophet ﷺ said, dua is ibadah. How is dua an ibadah when we understand dua to be a selfish kind of asking from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for something for ourselves? So how can dua be an ibadah? When we ask something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're not offering something to Allah, we're asking something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So generally a lot of people get confused of how dua can be ibadah, but that's what the Prophet said in a sahih hadith. He said dua is, in one hadith it says it's the kernel of worship, like the essence of worship. And in another hadith it says that it is worship. And the reason it's worship is because although we are asking something from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we are also offering something at the same time. And the thing that we're offering is our servitude, our helplessness, our feebleness, our abadiyya, 
our ihtiyaj, our need to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And God loves to be told that we are in need of Him. Because the Prophet said that Allah says, no, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if somebody doesn't ask Allah, he, do, he, he gets angry on him. Because for us to say, oh Allah, only you can give me this, give me this, we are essentially recognizing that He is the Supreme God. That's how it's an ibadah. So how are these verses that ibadah? Wallahu waliyul mu'mineen, Allahu waliyul ladheena amanu. Well, when you say them with meaning, now remember here, right, with us, right, if you're with me, nothing should be just words. You have to go with meaning. Because we're here for the quest of meaning. We're not here for the quest for an external facade of something. I know we're all weak and I know we're probably hollow inside. And I'm the first one to confess that. But we are looking for meaning. And that's why we're doing this. We're looking for meaning of life. We're looking for meaning of our existence, our servitude. So if you're going to read these just as we're used to reading things, without thinking about what they mean and trying to internalize what we're saying, becoming an Arab in a sense for that moment, somebody who thinks, then there's no benefit. There is benefit, but there's no benefit. The benefit we would like is that. So the whole idea is to ponder over the words when saying Allah is the wali of the people who believe. And then obviously when we think about that, we're going to think about it for ourselves. So the whole idea is if Allah is the caretaker of the believers, then I should become a better believer. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of me. Allah is my wali. Allahu waliyyul ladheena amanu. Allah is the wali of those who believe and we know it's from the Quran so it's just to reinvigorate our faith in terms of the real khatam it's very big just to give you an idea right? so one is the the first one they say Suratul Fatiha seven times because Suratul Fatiha has a great benefit being the Shifa and so on then Durud Sharif Salawat on the Prophet a hundred times then Alam Nashrah ten times Alam Nashrah is also used in the Chishti Khatm Khajgan Right? They, they have a very short one. There's La Hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-amal ja'a wa la manja min Allahi illa ilayh. I believe 360 times. Then Alam Nashrah 360 times, the, the whole surah. And then 360 times the same dua again. La Hawla wa la quwwata. And then dua. And then Surah Al-Ikhlas 100 times. Surah Al-Fatiha another one time in between. Durud Sharif 100 times after that. Then Ya Qadi al-Hajat. Oh, one who fulfills all needs. So that's a hundred times. Ya kafi al-muhimmat. O person who suffices for all uh, all issues of concern. hundred times. Ya dafi al-baliyat. O person who repels all kinds of cal calamities. hundred times. Ya shafi al-amrad. O cure of all sicknesses and illnesses. Ya Rafi'at Darajat, O elevator of levels and statuses. Ya Mujibat Da'wat, all of these are hundred times. Ya Mujibat Da'wat, O answerer of prayers. Ya Arhamar Rahimin, O most merciful of the most merciful. Essentially, you are calling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by everything of His names and His qualities that are important to us. So you expect to get some turning of mercy. If somebody's going to do this, you can expect what kind of mercy is going to turn its attention to us.
to the people. Then after that, it's uh, the durud tunjina, which is a special durud. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Mawlana Muhammadin salatan tunjina biha min jami'i al-ahwali wal-afat wa taqdeelana biha jami'i al-hajad wa tutahiruna biha min jami'i al-sayyat wa tarfa'una biha indaka a'la al-darajat wa tubalighuna biha aqsa al-ghayat min jami'i al-khayrat fi al-hayati wa ba'd al-mamat innaka ala kulli shay'in qadeel. That's done 313 times. Then there is the, the one attributed to Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jilani, which is to do a hundred durood sharif in the beginning and at the end and read Hasbunallahu wa ni'mal wakil in between 500 times. We do it seven times. Five to seven times. He's doing it 500 times with a hundred durood sharif between and afterwards. That's his khatam. So we've taken that one. That's one of them that we have selected, uh, that, that has been selected. Another one is then, again, Durush Sharif, 100 times in the beginning and end. Ya Khafiya Lutfi, Adrikni Bilutfikal Khafi. This is the one we take as well. This is Khaja, Bahaudin Nakshband ones. Which means Ya Khafiya Lutfi, O one of most, the most subtlety, most elaborate subtlety, one who has the... Uh, the, the absolute mastery over subtly doing things right, in a very refined way. Give us your lutf, your softness, your compassion, your benevolence. Give us the hidden part of your benevolence. It's a very powerful dua. So again, that's 500 with 100 durushari before and after. Then Mujadid al-Fithani's one is La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. So we've taken that one as well. Then we've taken Khaja Muhammad Ma'soom's La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. So la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. There is hawl and quwwa. There is no ability to prevent. There's no defense from anything that is wrong. Right? We don't have any defense from anything wrong, haram, wrongdoings. Nor do we have any ability to do good to do virtue, to do all the obediences, illa billah, except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So keep that in mind, because la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah is like we say when you're astonished about something, or when you are trying to tell somebody, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Well, what does it mean? You know, if you ask majority of people outside what it means, they don't know what it means. It means there is no ability or power to withstand sins or wrongdoings or disobedience or to do good deeds and obedience except with Allah. Essentially we are saying that everything comes from you, Ya Allah. It's all a matter of tawfiq. Same kind of stuff we've been discussing in the hikam, that it's all from you. And then the next one is, La il uh, as I said, uh, Khaja Muhammad Ma'soom's one, which is the son of uh, Khaja Mujahideen uh, al-Fithani, rahmatullahi La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al He's essentially taken the dua of Yunus alayhi salam which took him out of a whale's stomach. Now that must have been an amazing, you can say, an amazing and an extraordinary event that essentially stopped the biological system of the whale. Anything that goes into the stomach, the stomach forces, the bile and the intestines and everything, they just start doing its work. They have to, that's how it's successful. That's why we stay alive. But. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, no, this one has to be given a safe passage, immunity. He read, la ilaha illa ant. There is no God except you. There is no God except you. Subhanak. Glorified and purified are you. 
Generally, when you say glorified are you, people don't really understand what it means by glorified. It's this kind of really, you can say, high term, which, what does glory mean? Glory means greatness. But really what subhanak means, is from tasbih, which is the opposite of tahmeed. Tasbih really means, oh Allah, I am saying that you are without blemish. You are the pure one. And anybody pure is great and glorified. So that's why we generally always do subhanallah first. Because by doing subhanallah, we are taking away any defects first. Then we say alhamdulillah to establish all of the, um, the praises. There's no point in putting praises first. And then there's still a question that arises. Is there blemishes? Because from our perspective, you can have people who have praise and blemish. But with Allah's perspective, there's no blemish at all. So we just clean that up first. And that's general, La ilaha illallah. There is no God except Allah. There is no God, we say first, except Allah. We don't say there's a God and there is no God besides Him. We say there is no God except Allah. So we first remove every other competition and peer. So La ilaha illa ant. There is no God except you. Subhanak, glorified are you. Inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. I was of the oppressors. It's both expressing the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His high position. It's got that expression of dua. You know, it's got that. Essentially, it's a dua in disguise. Without the words of dua. If I'm saying I'm an oppressor and you are the greatest, what do I want from you? you know, by taking the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are invoking the that particular characteristic Ya Arhamar Rahimeen Well we want your mercy That's why we're calling on to you with your name Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaches us that in the Quran Because that's why in different parts of the Quran you have Inna Allah Alimun Hakim Inna Allah Khabirun Bima Ta'amaloon Inna Allah Sami'un Basir Right? You have these different names that are used in different parts Just to show relevance of that name to those incidents those occasions and those accounts so that's essentially what is it that's how there's benefit in the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because when you call out Ya Sattar O Vela you know you've just done something and you know you want it to be veiled Ya Sattar you, know, you want the, the real subtle benefit from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Ya Latif the next one is from Mirza Madhar Jan Jan Shaheed again these are all 500 with 100 Durushan before and after it this one is Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum Bi Rahmatika Astaghith Which we do as well Again another very powerful dua And the reason this one is powerful is because Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum have been considered to be the Ismullah Al-A'zam You know among there's a hadith in Bukhari which mentions that There's a name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which if you call Allah by Then your duas are accepted It doesn't mention which name it is the majority of ulama are on the opinion that it is Allah, but taken with a particular frame of mind, right? So that is the strongest opinion, because that is Ismul Jalala, that is the, the highest, that's the name of majesty. However, there's other opinions, what, uh, strong opinions as well. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum is one of them, that these two names, Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. So Ya Hayyu, O oh, living one, Ya Qayyum means, O oh, Self-subsisting one. Self-subsisting, not in need of anybody else, and everybody else is in need of him. Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum. It's from that. That's why 
Ayatul Kursi is one of the most virtuous verses of the Quran because it includes all of these things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Birahmatika astaghith. With your mercy, through your mercy do I seek your do I seek your assistance, your refuge, your your help. So when you're calling on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this one obviously has a du'ai word in there which is birahmatika astaghithu. I ask for Igatha, which means help, assistance, and refuge by your mercy, O living one. So you're always alive, there's no end, and you're Qayyum, you're the one who keeps everything alive, and everything is upright because of you, and nobody is there's no requirement for anybody to keep you alive because you're self subsistent. Another general meaning for Qayyum is independent, in a sense. So you can see how powerful these du'as are. And then there's another one which we don't generally use. Ya Allah, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Ya Arham Rahimin. So he's obviously this is related from Shah Ghulam Ali Mujaddidi. Ya Allah, Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim, Ya Arham Rahimin, invoking the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه محمد وآله وأصحابه أجمعين which is the Durud Sharif Salawat on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then the other, the other one from Shah Ahmed Saeed Dihlawi يا رحيم كل صريخ ومكروب وغياثه ومعاذه يا رحيم that one is a lot more complicated but again we're calling out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with these with these names. The next one we do, which is from Haji Dos Muhammad Kandhari, Rabbila Tadarni Farda wa Antahirul Warithim. Oh Allah, do not leave me alone. You're the best of those who you're the best of inheritors. Or you're the best of those who provide inheritors. This could have numerous meanings. This is obviously a dua from one of the prophets to say that I want, a ch I want children. So it can be used for that. But it can also be used for many other purposes. Oh Allah, don't leave me alone. Don't abandon me alone in the sense that allow me to be beneficial to others. So I have a legacy that I leave behind. Because when you say, Anta khayrul warithin, you're the best of those who provide inheritors. Right? It doesn't have to be in the form of children. It could be in the form of good work you've left behind, a masjid you've established, books you have written, right? hearts you have infused, inspired, right? minds you've made. So there's, it's only limited by our own thought, isn't it? So that's why, رَبِّ لَا تَذَرْنِي فَرْضًا وَأَنْتَ خَيْرُ الْوَارِثِينَ because Rabbana, you know, subhanAllah, the dua of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the Qur'an, the dua in the Qur'an, Rabbana, hab lana min azwajina wa dhurriyyatina qurrata a'yun wa ja'alna lilmuttaqeena imama. Rabbana, hab lana min azwajina. Oh Allah, give us from our spouses and our progeny, very comprehensive, our progeny, not just our immediate children, but our entire progeny. Rabbana, so general, those that gladden our sight. So even on Day of Judgment, they will gladden our sight. 
by just looking at them in that good position, inshaAllah. وَجَعَلْنَا لِلْمُتَّقِينَ imama And make us imams for those who have taqwa. So you're asking for leadership. You're asking for influence. But good influence. You can only be the leader of the muttaqin if you're serious. You know, because muttaqin, they're only going to turn to other muttaqin, somebody they recognize like that. Allah will only turn those hearts. So the leader of the muttaqin only. So not a worldly leader from a worldly perspective, but a leader in the world of the muttaqin. So that you are infusing other people. It's, it's all about not just leaving a pious progeny, but also leaving a pious mention, pious legacy. How can you do that? Now for ulama it's easy because they've got a lot of knowledge that they've studied which they're going to pass on. People require them. People who are not ulama, they can still do this by assisting ulama, by learning themselves as much as possible because it's about conveying even a single word. You don't have to convey a whole tafsir of the Quran. It could be a word. Just know, just whatever you convey needs to be solid. It needs to be well known, that's all. Assisting others to carry on the right path. Building a masjid, all of, the, all of these kind of things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows how he'll do it. This is a very important dua. This should be part of your every dua. Because it's a dua. Then there's Khaja Muhammad Uthman Damani rahmatullahi. He has subhanallah wa bihamdihi, subhanallah al-azim wa bihamdihi. We don't you generally use this, not included in that. But again, it's a, another powerful one. Glorified is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with his praise, glorified Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most uh, majestic with his praise. Then there's uh, from Khaja Sirajuddin, subhanallah walhamdulillahi wa la ilaha illallah wa allahu akbar wa la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-aliyya al-azim. This is the most comprehensive dhikr you, you can because it has subhanallah, alhamdulillah, uh, la ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, and la hawla wa la quwwata illa billahi al-ali al-azim. This is, if you, if you want to sit and just do one dhikr, this is, has everything. It includes all of them in this formula. Then Khaja Muhammad Fadl Ali Qureshi, he says, Wallahu dhu fadlin ala al-mu'mineen. Wallahu dhu fadlin. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one of grace for the unbelievers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the provider of grace for the believers. So essentially, if we're saying that, then we're hoping that He will give us His grace. And then, Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon is Khaja Abdul Malik Siddiqui. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'oon. And that means, we are for Allah and to Him we're going to return. It's that expression of putting your hands in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're for you anyway and to you we're going to come eventually after this short time in this world. And Allahu waliyul ladheena amanu was Peer Ghulam Habib sahab. So in the future you can obviously expect there to be other additions as Shuyuk add to this. But um, I, when we started, there's no way we would com com complete this entire... Um, if we had 500 people, then essentially we could complete this in no time. Because in 500 people, you just have to, everybody just has to read each dua once. So probably in about 20 minutes to half an hour you could do it. What's the point of doing all of this? Well, the whole idea is that once you've taken all of these great words, once you've taken all of these great words, then the whole idea is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's attention is there. So then we make a dua at the end of it. right? Because we expect that duas will be expect, uh, accepted. That's the whole purpose of this. It's that thought 
to give us that thought and then for our du'as to be accepted because of all of these great names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah being invoked in all of these great ways so now you know when you come and you think this is just like some kind of arbitrary reading right, just some kind of traditional reading this is not it's not just some cultural reading it's not just some kind of rhetorical reading there's a whole purpose behind it which is to invoke the mercies and attention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Um, the final thing I want to mention uh, is, is that, you know, the six things that we do, their basis are in the Qur'an. So I just want to mention that, just in case anybody questions you. And again, I've already explained these, just like the tablighi six points, or any other adhkar from any other tariqah, they've been combined together, not by the Prophet Each individual thing has been recommended directly or indirectly but to combine something together in a way that it just makes it easy like in a course you put these kind of modules together to get a certain benefit that's essentially what it is the basis of it all is in the Quran and Sunnah so for example the wukuf qalbi to be conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as possible throughout the day where do we get that from? well it's from the verse in Surah An-Nisa which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala standing up, sitting down, and on your sides. Now we can understand standing up in salat. We can understand sitting down. Again in salat or when you're sitting down for dhikr, it seems there's adab in that. But then it also says, on your sides. You're going to think, what a bit adab. You know, what, what a bad akhlaq person you are that you're doing dhikr lying down so the whole point of this this is not formal dhikr that as we know it this is a state of dhikr that your heart is constantly attached to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the whole reason we do the muraqabah is so that we develop this state that the heart is then constantly we have to just practice it we have to develop that concentration we're not used to concentration that's why you find it easy As people are saying after three weeks of doing it four weeks I still don't have concentration well, the, the, you know, sometimes you could be doing it wrong, right? You could be thinking of the wrong thing. Some people try to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that's very difficult. We're not there yet. We think of His name. So the whole point of this is to be in a state where you're constantly thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says in the Quran, in various verses, Talking about the pious people of Allah, those people who do dhikr, who remember Allah, <coughs> Standing, sitting, and on their sides. So it becomes their state, as opposed to something we have to take time out for. They're always doing it. That's why big shuyuk who've done a lot of hard work in their young days, sometimes you may not sitting, see them sitting in Morocco, they don't have the time, they're just constantly moving from here to there, because their heart is generally connected. The Muraqaba, we generally get that from وَذْكُرْ رَبَّكَ فِي نَفْسِكَ تَضَرُّعًا وَخِيفًا In general, the particular type of muraqabah, you're not going to get that because that's a later development. The ulama found that to be beneficial to focus on these parts to, to develop the muraqabah. But to do muraqabah itself is Remember your Lord in yourselves, not outwardly, but in yourselves, in your heart, with full humility and with reverent fear then you've got the Quran 
فَقَرَأُوا مَا تَيَسَّرُ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ I mean, nobody can deny that, reading the Qur'an every day. The istighfar, the hadith mentions, the, the verse mentions, اِسْتَغْفِرُوا رَبَّكُمْ ثُمَّ تُوبُوا إِلَيْهِ Surah Hud, Ayah 52. Seek forgiveness from your Lord and turn to Him. Tawbah means to turn back to Allah after you've been distant. Istighfar means to ask for forgiveness. And Tawbah is a state. It's a mental process. So there's a difference between istighfar and tawbah. And the Prophet used to say, Astaghfirullah Rabbi min kulli dhambi wa atubu ilayh. He used to say, I seek, uh, uh, I seek forgiveness from Allah 70 times in a day. Another hadith says 100 times in a day. The durood sharif, well, we know the virtues of durood sharif every day. And we essentially we are attracting the mercies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we are fulfilling our obligation to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the rabita ma'a shaykh, well, kunu ma'a sadiqin. Ya yuhaladheena amanu, kunu ma'a sadiqin, or people who believe, be with the, the truthful ones. Right? Um, essentially, the company. Good company. So this was just an explanation of that. Sometime later, we'll go through the first 10 lessons or so. Because a lot of people are confused about that as well. Inshallah. Let's do our muraqabah. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم سبحان الله العلي الأعلى الوهاب أو الله accept our gathering أو الله accept our رمضان our worships Oh Allah, we ask you to forgive us our sins, our shortcomings, our wrongdoings. Oh Allah, our excesses. Oh Allah, our wrongdoings and our excesses. Oh Allah, we constantly fall down. We try to stay up, but we constantly fall down. Oh Allah, O oh merciful Lord. Oh beloved Allah. There are so many sins that we've been committing. There are certain sins that we have committed. We committed for a long time. And when nothing happened to us, when your punishment didn't come, we felt secure in committing them. And they became second nature to us. Oh Allah, we ask you for forgiveness from them. Because we have been boldly committing these and we no longer even feel remorseful about these things. Oh Allah, we ask you to show us the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it in everything. And we ask you to show us the wrong as the wrong. And Oh Allah, help us to abstain from it oh allah make your obedience beloved to our heart and your disobedience hated in our heart oh allah we ask that you make it easy and facilitate for us the path of guidance the path of wilaya oh allah we want to be your awliya oh allah we want to also have a part in the high places of jannatul firdaus and in high satisfaction of yours oh allah grant us your happiness your satisfaction Oh Allah, allow us to work on our heart and allow it to be connected to you. Oh Allah, make our heart the way you want it to be. Oh Allah, this is the month of Ramadan. This is the month of generosity. This is a month of giving. Oh Allah, many, many people are giving sadaqat during this month. People feel generous during this month. It's mentioned that your Prophet was most generous in Ramadan compared to any other time he was most generous in Ramadan. Oh Allah, if that is the state of your creation and the state of your prophet 
then, O oh Allah, we can only expect that you must be extremely generous during this month. O oh Allah, you have told us that you've closed the doors of hellfire, you've opened the doors of Jannah, you've locked up the shaitan, your mercy is everywhere, you've enhanced the rewards people get for the worships they do. O oh Allah, but we need our sins to be forgiven. We need our sins to be forgiven. So we are the fuqara. Oh Allah, we are the, the, the sinful, needy servants of yours, slaves of yours. Oh Allah, we're expressing this need to you. Oh Allah, O oh most generous of the generous, we ask that you treat us with subtlety, generosity and with your lutf. Oh Allah, we ask that you purify our sins, you purify our hearts. You take us out of this month of Ramadan purified and you keep us purified. Oh Allah, let the barakat and blessings of this month endure. Oh Allah, let the second part of this month be superior to the first part of this month. And oh Allah, make this month the best month for us that has ever taken place. Oh Allah, make it make the barakat of it endure for the rest of our lives. Oh Allah, do not let us turn back to square one after we finish this month of Ramadan. And do not let us become under the effects of shaitan again. Oh Allah, we ask that you make the best of our days, the final days. Oh Allah, there's the people sitting here, the people who are listening, they could have been doing so many other things at this time. There were so many choices in front of us. But oh Allah, we've decided to dedicate this hour for you, for your dhikr, for your remembrance and for discussion about you. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you accept this from us. You accept this from us. Oh Allah, at the end of the day, this is also just your tawfiq. We couldn't have been sitting here without you. This is your tawfiq anyway. But we ask that you accept it. Once it's happened from us, we accept it and you give us the tawfiq to sit many more times like this to remember you. Oh Allah, keep us constantly in a state of dhikr. Grant us wukuf qalbi. Oh Allah, grant us the ability to have concentration and presence in our muraqaba, in our meditation. Allow us to be constantly in tune with you. Oh Allah, protect us in all, protect, uh, protect us in all that you've given us. And oh Allah, keep all evil away from us and our progeny until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, help the Muslim world, our Muslim brothers and sisters around the world. Oh Allah, our travel that we have planned, oh Allah, make that easy for us. Allow those who are going for itikaf, make them make it easy for them. Allow the rest of us to do itikaf somewhere or the other, even if it's for a few days. And oh Allah, grant us the ease and facilitation and benefit for it. Oh Allah, accept the rest of this month from us. Oh Allah, accept the rest of this month from us. Allow, to, allow us to complete any shortcomings that we've had. Oh Allah, oh Allah, we ask that you send your abundant blessings on our Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun ala al-mursaleen walhamdulillahi rabbil alam. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of 
most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.